This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest instalment of Total Saints Podcast. Yes, despite it being the winter break, we've not rolled out our kids and bought in the reserve host. Oh no, it's 100% commitment here. That said, Steve's not with us tonight, otherwise engaged as I say, but Lucy and Glenn are. I was going to ask if you're enjoying your uh, non-winter breaks really, or your winter breaks, but... Uh... Yeah, it's alright. Um, it's just been work since we last recorded, so it's not that exciting. And I saw from your point of view, Glenn, you were taking a, a winter break on the blog post spares. So uh, bearing in mind yeah. our conversation in the pub for the 100th episode, I'm assuming that just involves what, sitting around drinking beer and eating chips? Um, pretty much. Yeah, I was decided to do a Jürgen and take a, <laughs> take a winter break from writing my blog. I couldn't be bothered. I was in such a, <laughs> so it's just I was a sulk rather than winter Yeah, I was in such a foul mood. Um, I'd like to go to the Maldives like Jürgen probably has, but there you go. I don't need a winter break. I'm a true professional, as you know. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, this TSP episode will see us reflect on last week's FA Cup replay at Tottenham, a uh, thriller of a game that Saints eventually lost 3-2. We'll also be previewing the next Premier League game at home to Sean Dice's Burnley. In the middle of all of that, Will Dorr from Saints Archive joins me for our latest Total Recall as we speak with Southampton FC's women's captain, Shelley Proven. Shelley talks balancing motherhood and PE teaching with playing football, breaking down barriers as a teenager and missing an England trial to go to Disneyland. Stay tuned for that. In partnership with Saints Archive and saintsworld.co.uk where we must give a shout out to Robbie Reed, whose birthday it was last Thursday and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk where you can get 10% off hot tubs, accessories and chemicals. If you mention this podcast, this is TSP 102. 
Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints travelled up to Spurs last week to replay their fourth round FA Cup tie, the result eventually being 3 2 to Spurs after a roller coaster affair. Glenn, another really good showing from Saints following on from the trip to Anfield, albeit not necessarily getting the rub of the green on a couple of occasions and uh, eventually, unfortunately, bowing out. Yeah, it was kind of similar. I think it's fair to say we dominated the first half against Spurs, um, found ourselves 1 0 down to a you know, a hit and hope that was heading for the corner flag and mm. deflected and, and went in. Um, deservedly got back to 1-1, not before time, having missed a few chances. Missed a few more chances, um, scored one of the best breakaway goals you'll ever see yep. um, to go to one up. And on 70 minutes, it, well, as soon as we got in front, we kind of caved in. Mm. It was really strange. We, we stopped playing. And um, I think the, the injuries that we picked up along the way and bringing reserve players in, I think it kind of caught up with us in the end. And it, um, yeah, we didn't didn't see out the game particularly well. And uh, of course, the uh, the penalty was another one which we can chalk up to good old VAR, not doing its job properly. Indeed, yeah. I wasn't going to spend too much time talking about it. A bit like Ralph said, we seem to speak about that every week. But uh, Lucy, I mean, over the years as Saints fans, we've spoken a lot about Saints sort of maybe their lack of ruthlessness almost when they're dominating games. You know, they don't score the goals that they should do and put the uh, the result out of question. Um, another case of that, unfortunately. Yeah, a little bit. I think actually a lot of the time this season we've been getting results from being unusually clinical. True, yep. I think I said this after the Liverpool game, but, you know, the top teams kind of are defined by their ruthlessness. And I think Spurs at the moment are basically every shot they have. It's a goal. Mm. Um, they had that against City at the weekend and, and it was again against Saints. And yeah, and we were the reverse, unfortunately, and we created lots of really good opportunities and, and it wasn't to be, unfortunately. And had we put in a few of those in the first half, I think we would have been fine. And I think the problem is with such a enterprising attacking high pressing brand of football yeah yeah is that you will unless you can kind of freshen things up very quickly with subs um and, and that probably wasn't going to be after the war prowse on injury unfortunately in the first half mm. it, it's quite difficult to maintain it the full 90 minutes yeah. and i think we saw that they just kind of ran out of steam um and i think probably it was even more of a problem you know having played at the weekend to then come back out in midweek and do it for another 90 minutes um and i think that's going to be a problem throughout and i think had we you know taken a few more chances in the first half you can probably afford to sit back a little bit more and probably conserve energy if you're not able to make subs um so yeah not not to be unfortunately um i'm sure we'll briefly chat about the var decisions i have to say i I think some credit has to go to Mourinho for the substitution he made yeah because he he bought the game basically yeah he he changed the game he played in the gap between our centre-backs and and the midfielders and we didn't deal with him at all. You know, he set up Mora's goal, which was was so easy to score. And mm. uh, he just sort of jinked around Vestergaard and put it in the corner. No pressure on him. Vestergaard didn't do too badly, but when he came on, the d- defence noticeably doesn't push up as high yeah. because they can't risk him getting 
turned around and yeah at the end of the first half son ran past vestigard and it was honestly terrifying so i think yeah. after that yeah. they dropped off quite a lot yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and that created that gap in midfield where yeah. ali was playing and we didn't really deal with that at all no. but it was because you know stevens got moved out of central defense wall prowse had obviously gone mm. romeo was playing he's probably a little bit rusty and it's just all those things i think caught up with us in that last 20 minutes yeah. i think romeo really struggles with the intensity of hasenhutl style of play and he tends to drop off quite a lot in the second half I think yeah Romeo was hilarious he went on a five minute killing spree did you know <laughs> yeah he always he, gets he, like that when he's stretched he's just like, oh, through there yeah. he killed about eight people in about two minutes yeah. and eventually the referee booked him after I did notice after... the ironic cheers from the Spurs fans when that yeah. happened yeah I mean nice Mr Sun was waving imaginary yellow cards around yeah so I was, was going to say if, you always do worry if you don't see Romeo with a yellow card next to his name don't you but uh, yeah I mean incredibly we had nearly 60% of possession 15 shots seven on target obviously uh, as uh, Lucy mentioned in true Saint star we conceded three shots on target and lost the game 3-2 but focusing on a handful of the, the positives from the night then Glenn um, another goal for Shane Long of course he scored recently against Wolves um, not only good for his confidence but we've spoken about it a bit on the pod the last few weeks he's really starting to form a you know a decent sort of partnership and relationship up there with Danny Ings yeah they do play well together um, you know sometimes when you play two up front they tend to get in each other's way you know, because most strikers these days are used to playing up front on their own, so they they tend to make the same runs, mm. if that makes sense. But those two seem to have it sorted. They, they know what they're doing. And, yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's a simple goal for, for Shane in the end. Um, but it's nice nice for him to get, a you know, a simple one like that. And uh, and that's good. And it was it was great for, um, you know, Danny Ings has had mm. what, by his standards, is a little mini goal drought, yeah, three yeah. or four games without a goal. Yep. Um, and that was a tremendous finish. I was never worried that he was going to suddenly not score for three months or whatever. <laughs> Even though he hadn't scored for a few games, he was still playing incredibly well and looking very, very sharp. So yeah. he went through a little patch where he was hitting the bar or hitting the goalkeeper or whatever. But now it's great for him to get another goal and hopefully that sets him up for the next few games. Yeah, and Lucy Glenn's read my notes here because uh, that's 17 for the season for Ings now. Not only was it mm-hmm. you know good for him to get back on the scoring track, as uh, Glenn mentioned, but... As we alluded to earlier, I mean, it was some move as well from a Saints point of view. So just sort of glorious all round. Yeah, I think, you know, aside from a really good finish from Ings, I think that the assist from Redmond was phenomenal. Mm. Um, having run the length of the pitch, taken a few people out of the game, chopped inside nicely, I noticed, um, and kind of ran across a few people who were scared to put a challenge in and foul him um, mm. and, and, and made a really good pass at the end of it. I think he's actually improved quite a lot recently. Um, yeah. Yep. I think when Redmond gets into kind of a bad run of form, he becomes very predictable um, and does a lot of cutting in and missing. Mm. Um, whereas he was prepared to take people both ways. I actually thought Buffal actually had a good first half um, and then faded quite a lot. But um, that goal was typical Danny Ings. And once he squared up the defender, you kind of knew what, what was about to happen mm. um, just because of the, the form he's in. Um, that's really nice for him, the head of a better run of games to have yep. that boost and I'm, I'm sure he's going to carry on scoring yeah and as we'll come on to talk about briefly uh, in a minute um obviously Saints will go back to playing one game a week now till the end of the season so from him from a fitness point of view you'd hope that that will help a lot as well but uh, look I mean Glenn Saints maybe paid the price as we sort of mentioned earlier for sitting back and trying to maybe defend the 2-1 lead once they'd taken it which you know we know historically they tend to struggle to do so I mean was that you know poor tactics maybe was that sort of tiredness setting in after a tough game at Anfield as well or do you think maybe it was expected that in that sort of situation with what 15 minutes left they'd uh, maybe take a, a sort of whole what we have type mentality 
I don't think it's poor tactics because I think we've kind of got one tactic. Yeah. 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 It's uh, a plan that, A or and, plan A. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> and we've got to keep playing that way. I, I saw a little interview with Nathan Redmond where he kind of alluded to that. Mm. Um, it was interesting. He said, "Well, we know what to do when we go a goal behind. Yeah. You know, we just carry on playing the same way yeah. and we'll get back into the game." It's strange footballers and their mentality, um, how that works. So you, you would think it would be second nature to just carry on doing the same thing. Mm. Um, but we definitely did take a step backwards. But I think it was more to do with, I mean, Tottenham made their change. Deli Alley at the end of the day, though he's a, another slightly dubious character. He's a very, very good player. Yeah, and, well, and so, yeah, yeah. And they bought, <laughs> they brought him on and he made a difference. And, yeah. you know, we didn't pick him up. As I said earlier, I think it was a lot to do with the fact that we were suddenly very makeshift. Mm. You know, we had makeshift right back, makeshift centre back, Romeo, who was rusty. We brought uh, Che Adams on as well. And so the press at the front of the pitch disappeared as well, mm. as, as it always seems to do when he comes on, I have to say. And so it just all combined. If it had gone to extra time, we would have severely struggled to get through that without getting beat anyway. So maybe it's, uh, I don't know, even though the penalty was dodgy, it's um, it probably shortened the agony by half an hour. <laughs> other than losing the game then, Lucy, the other downside of the night was um, James Ward-Prowse being stretched off, a player who's played every single minute for Hasenhutl up until that point this season. So at the time of recording, we only really know what Ralph said post-game was that uh, it appeared to be only, fingers crossed, uh, a deep cut and that uh, you know that was a positive, but it did look nasty. And obviously we wish Prowse all the best in the meantime, but hopefully, fingers crossed, the case of sooner rather than later with him coming back yeah i have to say when that first happened they bought on the oxygen and then mm. they bought on the stretcher and i'm thinking oh no that's pretty yeah. bad um so if it is just as it sounds um then i think we probably got away with one a little bit mm. um i was a bit concerned because i don't think and i appreciate Romeo's had to step in while Walprouse has played it right back i just think you miss so much from the center of midfield Clearly. when Walprouse isn't there yeah uh, and i think that was evident last week and any kind of long-term injury would have looked pretty pretty threadbare, really, in, mm. in central. I don't think we have a lot of options other than Romeo. So, yeah, that's a relief if it is just as it says. Um, and I think, hopefully, we'll have a right-back available soon so that mm. we can get Warprouse back doing his thing in the middle of, middle of the pitch because I think him and Hoybier have developed such a good relationship. It's his energy, isn't it? It's the amount of run he's done, his set pieces. You know, he, he's gone from being what I would have deemed droppable before that Man City away game to now being undroppable. So yeah, hopefully uh, we'll see uh, see how long it takes. And I'm sure um, between uh, you know this pod being released and the Burnley game, we'll get a, more of an update from Ralph on the seriousness. But Glenn, look, I wasn't going to touch too much on it because, uh, as you say, uh, we do seem to speak about VAR every week, and it didn't feel right to talk about Sun and the penalty and the referee and VAR all night. But as we were discussing before we started the pod, you've been making quite a few friends through. Uh, Twitter <laughs> over the last few days through posting the uh, the video and uh, questioning the decision but just briefly another one that I guess goes either way but we probably had quite a bit of VAR luck this uh, season so obviously we're getting loads and loads of uh, unluck at the moment Now we were talking last week about if we'd had no VAR and last week's one had been given as a penalty we wouldn't have moaned about it Yeah. because on first view it looked like a penalty it looked like a penalty and I can totally understand why the referee gave it but what is the point of the guys at Stocky Park, if they're not going to look it at that. It didn't even seem like they even assessed no. it. No, it's very similar to the Danny Ings one at Liverpool. It, yeah. it didn't, it was like a cursory glance. I really hoped when VAR first got sort of spoken about, the thing that I loved about the idea more than anything mm. was that it would even the playing field. You wouldn't come away from these games away at the big clubs 
and think we've been done by the referee here yep. because that was always the case and it hasn't changed. It's, it's been really quite disappointing from that point of view, how it doesn't seem to have made a difference. Um, Son, he did what forwards do. Yep. He went down, he, he left a leg trailing. I, I mean, I'd question why Angus Gunn went with his feet. I would question that. Go with your hands, mate. I mean, and he, it, he sort of came out and stopped and then came out again. I mean, it wasn't yeah. overly confident goalkeeper either, was it? It was just a bit of a mess all around. No, and I, I think he kind of gave the referee the impression that he was struggling a little bit yeah. by doing the stop, start, start. Yeah, yeah. It looked maybe, so much more panicked, didn't it? Yeah, and then he lunged with the feet and, you know, you're a goalkeeper, use your hands. And I think Gunn kind of made it easier for the referee to give a penalty. Mm. Um, but VAR is supposed to look at that and go, hang on, he's, he's going down before he's even got yeah. there. So, I think it's yeah. such a shame as well. It's the second F in a row when we've had to talk about this kind of decision yeah. and it's just taking over all discussion, isn't yeah. it? Really? Well, the only thing I can think about that, Lucy, is I sent Glenn a direct message last week to advise him that it was Stuart Atwell that was on VAR duty for the uh, Tottenham <laughs> game. And, of course, we'd uh, slated him after the uh, Liverpool pod, haven't mm. we, about the fact that we hadn't had a fair uh, decision at Man United last year. So he was obviously listening. But, uh, Glenn, <laughs> look, I mean, just to sort of finish then... Um, course it's disappointing to head out you know you put all that effort into the two games and uh, to lose and it's disappointing but I guess at least we now can focus attention on the Premier League as we say it'll just be one game a week between now and uh, the end of the season for Saints and all focus will be on survival obviously. Initially it will be and hopefully we'll get to sort of 36 37 points relatively quickly and then it's down to um, it's down to Ralph how he wants to go with it I suppose mm. but I think we might be looking at a higher required total this mm. season yeah maybe just because of how bad the top half have been mm. um, I think actually I haven't looked into it but my gut feeling is that we're slightly what I think do you teams towards the bot- I think it'll be at least 40 yeah. um, I could be wrong but I feel like we're at a point now where the, the lower teams are doing a little bit better than we would normally yeah, they are. despite yeah, the yeah. Season, so yeah. I think you know how we normally think of that 38 mark. I think we're probably looking a little bit higher this season. Yeah, so. it's what surprises me a little bit. I was surprised Callum Slattery went out on loan, especially as we've um, you know we've mentioned the lack of sort of central midfield options. Mm. Um, I was surprised he went out on loan because we've got Romeo. He's already sort of said that Smallbone won't be able to play at that intensity, so he's yeah. he's not ready to play. I think there's a story going on there the same way as there's a story going on with Jan Valerie as well who mm. is not back from the dead as yet you know I don't really know what's going on there and so no. having having one game a week for the rest of the season is probably a good thing mm. um for us given that we now have a very a very small squad um it was small enough before if you take away all the players out on loan but now it's uh, very lightweight Okay, it's time for the latest edition of Total Recall, which sees myself, Will Dor, owner of the Saints Archive, and Ben joined by Southampton FC women's captain, Shelley Proben. Shelley, thanks so much for joining us on Total Recall. That's no problems at all. Nice to speak to you. Okay, so before we get into talking about Saints and the women's game specifically, tell us how you originally got into football. A case of personal passion for the beautiful game over having to do uh, ballet and tap dance. Is that right? 
Uh, it was quite interesting, actually. My uh, mum was very keen for me to be a, a girly girl um, and attempted the tap and, and ballet route, uh, but I just didn't enjoy it. I think I naturally veered towards football and another male-dominated sports from the start. I grew up in a cul-de-sac where um, probably three-quarters of the children that I lived with were, were boys. Um, we lived in a safe area where we could play sport where our parents could see, uh, and football was probably the main sport that we played. Uh, my dad played football. He was a huge influence on me. Uh, whenever he played, we always had a, a grass of area next to the pitch where we'd play against the children of the men that were on the other team. So, yeah, football has always been in our blood in the family, um, but I just had a natural passion for it from a very young age and and, and always enjoyed it and still do now. I'd like to the, the question in part the ballet bit on that one is my daughter was also does ballet as well as football and one of her coaches has actually said that's a brilliant way of doing things because obviously ballet and, and football together helps with uh, balance and coordination yeah absolutely I'd agree um, I wouldn't say that would be one of my strengths within the game but yeah I do agree and I think especially carrying on with the sport later in life I think there's something to be said for doing those sort of activities to prolong your career Unfortunately, I wasn't that great at it, and I probably realised that when I let go, um, to the point where uh, I think my nan had to buy me my first pair of football boots because my mum mum wasn't keen on me having my first pair, so she went ahead and got them for me. Perfect. To the likes of Wyvern boys, you've spoken previously about having to break down some natural barriers. I believe in the US mixed teams are pretty much the norm at a young age. So how challenging was that experience as a young lady, and how much did you learn about yourself? Um, I think I was lucky in the environment that I was playing in. Um, so I played with the boys that I played with at school. My teachers were fantastic at integrating me into into the teams that they had. I think they thought that if I was good enough, it didn't matter whether I was a boy or girl. That was their attitude. I played with those boys um, within the club, boys club at Wyvern. Um, I think the barriers and probably the issues that I came up against were when we sort of played other teams where they weren't used to having a girl within the team. You'd get sort of comments, even sort of the parents of the, the other players would make comments. Um, but I can't remember ever really taking much notice. I just knew that I was good enough to be there and that was the most important thing. And I think I'd probably say the same to any girls that came across that sort of stigma within the game now. And having grown into the game then, Shelley, you rapidly progressed to playing for England. I know you've spoken a lot about some of the social challenges that came with that, but you joined the England age groups right from sort of under-16s to under-23s. But the most important bit of research we found is that you missed your first national team trial to go to Disneyland. Is that right? I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was devastating for me, actually. I, I knew that these trials were coming up. It was the first time that the England setup had an under-16 team. These trials were coming up in the summer. Um, unfortunately, my, well, fortunately, really, that my grandparents organised for us as a family to all go away and stay in a villa over in, in Florida, mm. which is an amazing holiday. But I just knew in the back of my head that I was missing these trials. Um, yeah. I was fortunate that when I got back, I found out that they were going to have another round of trials. So fortunately for me, I, I managed to get in through that second lot of trials. And on a serious note then, I mean, the highlight with England, what, playing in front of 40,000 fans at the Under-19 World Cup or something else? Um, that definitely is one of the highlights. Um, just being part of a, of a World Cup, I don't think you appreciate it at the time as you do when you sort of look back on those sort of experiences. Um, I look at the photos now and I, 
I just don't remember being that overawed by it and thinking it was that much of a, a big deal. It was it was just sort of happening. Mm. Um, and I look back now and, you know, wish I could do it all over again. But yeah, I managed to, I was able to play at Wembley. So when I played for England under 16s, um, I got to play at Wembley against Scotland. That was definitely a highlight. I've been fortunate to play at some good grounds across the country and play with and against some fantastic players. The players you've played with or against, Shelley, which do you, or did you admire the most and why? Um, I think I tend to go to any club that I've been at and there's always a player that I look up to. There's a player that I aspire to be like. And I think as a youngster, I was lucky enough to play with and against the role models that I had at an earlier age. Um, the likes of Rachel Yankee, Sue Smith, Marianne, who's now our manager, uh, were definitely players that I looked up to at the time. And then more recently, uh, sort of any players that play in my position, sort of looking up to them and, and how they play and why they, they are where they are. Okay, moving on to life now, Shelley. I read that your daily routine starts with a school run before going to work as a PE <laughs> teacher at the Romsey School. Then heading home to walk your dogs, cook dinner for your family and then training in the evenings. It sounds absolutely hectic to say the least. <laughs> I don't know how I survive some days, but you you do, and I wouldn't have it any other way. What we even do before nine o'clock, it amazes me. I get into work and think, I can't believe how much I've done just in that short space of time, and then I've got to teach four or five lessons, um, and then the rest of it. But it's just something you get on with. I'm not the only person that does it, and I wouldn't have my life any other way. I'm I'm not a person that just sort of sits around. I don't like to have spare time um, necessarily. That's all my life's been about is being pretty hectic and running around, driving everywhere. And I think with kids, it just makes it a little bit more hectic, for sure. It sounds tiring just listening to it, I think, Shelley. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, um, focusing on Saints then, you, you, of course, started with the club playing in the National League as a, a 14-year-old. You then went on to play for yeah. uh, a variety of other clubs, Birmingham, Bristol, Reading, and uh, I think I saw Portsmouth on your CV, unfortunately. But uh, look, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, considering you're originally from Winchester, how nice was it to come full circle and, and rejoin Saints a couple of years ago ahead of the club's transformation, I guess, within the women's setup? Yeah, it was massive. It was it was probably perfect timing. I had got to a point, I was at Notts County at the time when they folded, unfortunately, mm. um, in the Super League. And uh, I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go from there. Um, I didn't know whether to retire. I didn't know whether I wanted to carry on playing. But I knew that I still had a passion to play. Mm. Um, I ended up having my second child within sort of that break and found out within that time that um, Southampton were forming a team at the time it was an under 23s team yeah. and I was asked to be an overage player which is <laughs> very nice with any other under 23s um, and they were fantastic they, the support they gave me in coming back from after having my second child mm. I just knew it was the right place to come I knew from the support I got from the very beginning that the club was going places and I knew that they would be in the top flight, you know, in the next five, ten years. Um, and I wanted to be a part of that. It just made sense. I probably couldn't do the travelling anymore with two children and, mm. and my job. Um, so for me, it worked out perfectly and it's the best decision I've made. Yeah. And look, I know, I know you're a role model within the, the women's team there. You mentioned Marianne before as well. So what's life been like at Staple with her and the sort of impact that she's had on the club and the team? Yeah, fantastic. Um, when she turned up for interview, I saw her walking across the pitch and we obviously had no idea who was coming over to train us. And yeah, I couldn't believe that 
that she was coming to us. Mm. Um, I knew her coaching experience and what she was as a player and, and as a person. Um, and I knew, again, when I saw her that the club meant business um, and the places that I wanted to be was as far as we could go within the women's game. She's fantastic. She's a great people manager. Um, as well as a fantastic coach. Um, I think she manages the youngsters very well and has been massive for us in terms of our progression and where we want to be. And how far do you think the women's team at the Saints can go? Are there any limits? Um, obviously, there's you know certain barriers that we might come up against um, and will come up against, but I know that the aspirations for the club, and that is you know across the whole club, is that we can get to the, the highest level. Um, everything's in place for us to be able to do that. And hopefully it's just a matter of time. We're taking it step by step. It's one game at a time. And it's not going to come overnight. Um, we have to be patient. But hopefully with the way we're doing things, the way that we're progressing, it will be just a matter of time before we get there. We watched a video of you alongside Pierre, Ryan and Jan last week. Uh, the team got to play it yeah. for the first time recently. Uh, despite unfortunately losing, what do you think that experience will do for the confidence uh, and the experience of the team moving forward? It was huge. I think initially to know that the club uh, backed us. I mean, we knew that from what they've done so far in within the, the women's setup and the support they've given us that we're backed massively um, by them. Um, I think it was them that, that made the decision that we were going to play there. It wasn't us asking, it was them making that decision that we were going to be there. And I think that says a lot in terms of the experience for the girls. Um, obviously, it's very different to what they're used to. Um, the amount of people that were there, the experience that they had is very different to our, our games week in, week out. And I think that did maybe affect them, but I think it's a good thing going forward because I think if we get to where we want to be, then hopefully that's what it's going to look like every week. Just finally then, Shelley, before we'll ask a couple of listener questions, um, the women's game in general has seen a lot of development since you started playing, finances, training facilities, you know, much more airtime for games on the, the likes of the BBC and that sort of thing. So how good has it been to see that support for the female game? And, you know, bearing in mind your own background, are you confident it will continue to attract young ladies into football just like it did with you? Oh, there's absolutely no doubt. I didn't have many role models and I got into the sport and the amount of role models that the girls, positive role models that the girls have got now is is fantastic. The amount of young girls that are coming to watch us at Totten week in, week out. The amount of girls that were at St Mary's. The amount of parents that are supporting their children to come along and uh, are wanting to watch our football is fantastic. And I can only see that getting better and better and bigger and bigger. OK, well, uh, one or two questions from the SSE Wildcats girls team. We play in the fitness area of Southampton. Now, I yeah. believe it's like an under-11s girls football training sessions. They usually take part on Tuesday nights. I did yeah. ask Rhea, their coach, if she'd be happy for her players to do this, and she was over the moon. Apparently, she looked up to you uh, in the early days when you were playing, so I think there's a bit of a fangirl moment for her. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> she, she'd probably slaughter me at the next training session on that. We won't mention it. You can mention names later. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, first question comes from Naomi, who's 10 years old. Uh, she says, what treat did you use to give yourself after a game? I mean, in terms of a game, I always feel like food is the first thing that I think about. I think you come off the pitch and all you think about is how you can fill your belly. Um, I tend to use that as an evening to have a, 
a nice dinner with the family um, and not think too much about how much I'm eating. I just know that I need to refuel my body and, and do it in the right way. And I think I, I always look forward to that dinner when I get home, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love food, so I'm with you there. Um, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> Naomi also wants to know, how many goals have you scored in your entire career? Blimey, that's a really hard question. <laughs> that is a very hard question. Um, but yeah, it's probably hard to answer that. I mean, I started off as a striker. So when I first started playing women's football, I was uh, I played as a forward. Gradually, sort of worked my way back to left back. Um, so I probably scored more goals in my first two years of my career than I have done for the rest of it. Um, but I probably couldn't put a number on that, unfortunately. So the answer will is loads. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I'd like to say that. But <laughs> well, Shelley, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on tonight. Uh, thanks for telling us a bit about your story. It's really appreciated and I'm sure inspiring for any young woman thinking about taking up the game. No, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Shelley. That's been Total Recall from Southampton FC's women's captain, Shelley Proven. Many thanks. Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. A really big thank you again to Shelley from Will, myself, Saints Archive and Total Saints Podcast. A fascinating listen, so we hope you agree. Once the winter break is over and Saints return to action, Burnley will be the visitors to St Mary's. Lucy, I was making my notes for Burnley and I wrote down here, as we've spoken about before, are one of those pretty ugly and physical sides that you just know will be tough opposition to overcome. That seems pretty accurate to me. (laughs) I think actually it's going to be an interesting test because... I always think Burnley are a good gauge of where you are from a physical perspective because we know that they will be very direct, very physical, right in your face. Mm. And I think given the way this team's changed over the last few months, I think it's quite a good gauge of where we are. Um, I think, for example, say Jack Stevens, who has been now, I think he's been incredibly improved. Mm. I've been really impressed, but it's driving me insane because I think it's got a little bit out of hand. It's like he's Maldini or something. <laughs> he's he's not that good, okay? I'm really impressed with what he brings to the team in terms of from a communication perspective um, and how he organises people. And I think he is cutting out some of those errors that made him so painful to watch. Mm. But I just don't think he's as good as people are saying he is. Whether I'm right or wrong will be tested in a game like this because yeah. we know he has certain frailties which would typically be shown in a game like this and how far he's come is going to be quite clear I think quite quickly Um, especially playing in like players like Wood I think Mm. he's not going to be wild about playing against Um, so yeah I think Jack Stevens has been brilliant and a massive part of our improvement but I just think we need to calm down a little bit I think that's a fair assessment and as you're right he will certainly be uh, under the microscope Glenn the Burnley thing re-emphasised by the fact that in our last six games against them we've not won any of them home or away three defeats three draws I think there's even a flipping Jerry Barton winner in there somewhere so they're not an easy side are they I mean we as I say I, I know it's a similar question to Lucy but just from your assessment of them as well um I can't stand them I hope they get relegated <laughs> but they won't yeah. they won't no, they I mean, won't It annoys annoys me that Sean Dyche has got a relatively... I mean, it's it's Sean Allardyche, isn't it? I mean, that's (laughs) all it is. They're a bloody rugby team. We're playing them in the middle of the Six Nations, which is is ideal. They're they're a horrible team. They pretend they're not. 
But they are. They're, 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 I'm not they're, sure they do pretend they're not. I think they quite like that they're who they are. Yeah, they maybe. Kind of, Ashley Barnes is horrible. Chris Wood is horrible. And yeah. it's just... They are full of horrible players, like Ashley Westwood yeah. and Phil Barsley and oh, just, yeah. Yeah. It, I just, just I quite like them because they're a bit gritty and horrible. Is that bad? Maybe that's what we're missing, a bit of that in our side. I think we have more of that than we've had in a very long yeah. time, actually. Yeah. Maybe Oriol uh, Romeo is 50% Burnley, I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's... But- it's interesting you talk about Jack Stevens because Jack Stevens' one horror game in his good run was against West Ham, who were a very direct physical mm. team when we played them. So, yeah. so hopefully he steps up. Now, I'm not sure because I've seen it written both ways. Is Bednarek suspended? Uh, I've not, not done my research on that, Glenn. Failed. Yeah, because someone said that when he got booked against Spurs in the Cup that that ruled him out for the Burnley game. Now. And then I saw someone else saying, no, that's rubbish because you can, the limit for bookings has changed. Oh, uh, well, that's true you know. as well, yeah, yeah. So I, d- I don't know, but I thought it might be a game where Vestergaard plays anyway. Mm. But, you know, if Bednarek's suspended, then Vestergaard will play, obviously. But Burnley are not going to give us the opportunity to win the ball high up the pitch because it goes from goalkeeper down the middle or it goes from fullbacks, big diagonal, long ball. So, you know, one of our main attacking tactics is, is not going to be there. So it'll be an interesting game for us to see, um, you know, if we can uh, keep a lid on their physicality up front. Um, recently, they've been playing Joe Rodriguez, haven't they? And mm-hmm. he scored a couple. Of, yep. He scored one fantastic goal at Old Trafford. So I don't know if Ashley Barnes, who has not been playing recently, whether he's going to be fit after the uh, after the winter break. It won't be an enjoyable game to watch, and it probably won't be an enjoyable game to play in. And you just hope that we can by the, have... Oh, sorry. By the powers of Google, Benderek's fine. He I was just going to say... Yeah. Cards, but yeah. he... Five yellow cards was ages ago. That was, like, Christmas time. So, yeah, he'll be fine. Okay. I was no just going to say, I was on the FA uh, suspension site at the <laughs> same time. I wasn't listening to a word Glenn was saying, and I can confirm that Jan Benderek's name is not on there either. But, uh, yeah, anyway, th- thanks much. for the answer, I'm Glenn. I'm glad it was brilliant, whatever you just said. <laughs> it was a brilliant... Yeah, one of the most uh, sort of confident answers I've heard from you. So, well done. Um, yeah, but really. but Lucy, I mean, one of the things we do like about Burnley is Jay Rodriguez, a player, of course, who you know did really really well at Saints and uh, sadly got that injury. But let's be you know kind towards him. It's great to see him back on the uh, the sort of Premier League circuit, so to speak. And I think seven goals in all competitions this season. Fingers crossed he won't get any at St Mary's. But you know, a really good lad that we obviously want to see doing well. Um, yeah, great to see him back in the Premier League. I think he. Probably was too good for the championship. Mm. So, you know, it's good to see him back again. Um, as Glenn said, you know, he scored a cracking goal against Manchester United and um, has generally looked pretty good. I think at the beginning of the season, he was kind of playing second fiddle to Barnes and Wood. Yeah. Uh, probably didn't see as much of him as we might have hoped. Um, but no, he's certainly doing very well. And yeah, I just, I, I feel very warm things towards him, but obviously don't want him to do any good at all in this game. He was a very different player after the injury, wasn't he? And I think that's what's difficult to look back at his career. It's almost like watching two different players. And Glenn, you were a big fan of Jay Rodriguez during his time at Saints as well. In his season before he got injured, mm. all the season that he got injured at the end of, he was brilliant. Mm. He, he had a fantastic season. It took him a while to get up and running in the Premier League, but he had that season, got his England call up, got injured. And that took such a chunk out of his career. And it wasn't just the time he was injured. It was almost you know, two years before he got back to anything like a decent standard and, yeah. and then he left. Um, so he, he had a sort of massive three-year gap in his career, really, where he, he wasn't the player that he was. I think it was two years at West Brom, was it? Yeah, and he scored, yeah. Like that, yeah. scored a load of goals in the championship and he's gone back home to his hometown club. It's nice to see him do well. He's just one of those guys that you want to do well. Mm. Um, but as Lucy said, not not against us. 
Um, similar to Jack Cork, really, who's, I think he's also still at Burnley, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, yeah, so Jack Cork is another one who, who did good things for us and he's, uh, he seems to be, a a fairly stand-up guy, and you hope he does well as well. Yeah, Jack Court's in my fantasy team this year, but he's not doing overly well. But then, also my why? fantasy team. Why? Why is he in because your fantasy Because he's like four million or something, four million pound or something. He was just the crew There's a crowbar at the for end. That. Yeah. So yeah, uh, get yourself some Campwell in there. Come on now. <laughs> um, from a Saints point of view, then Lucy, um, Gineppo, I think, is out ill against Spurs. Carl Walker Peters will obviously be available for this game. Fingers crossed. You know, providing he doesn't get injured in training or something, so that'll be good. We'll finally have a right back again. Stuart Armstrong was back on the bench for the game at Spurs uh, last week and came on as well. So there's a few players starting to sort of uh, come back to fitness and will obviously be available to Ralph. So from a Saints point of view, how do you think they'll set up for this to try and sort of go fairly attacking, or do you think they'll realise it'll be a game where Burnley will sit in and make it ugly? Well, I think a lot of the team picks itself. Um, mm. Obviously, it depends if Ward-Prowse is available. We don't know how bad that injury is. But otherwise, there's not really a lot that you'd think is up for grabs. Um, if Ward-Prowse is available and Walker-Peters is available, yeah. you'd assume it would be the usual back four, but with Walker-Peters instead of Cedric, I guess. And a Redmond, Hoybier, Ward-Prowse. And then I guess it's just that one wing... I know Ralph calls it a 10, mm. but it is kind of a wing. You know, it's an inside E 10. Um, whatever you want to call that. Yeah, inside E 10 there. sounds cool. Yeah, um, that's the position, I guess, because I think it's probably Longenings up top. That's the position that's up for grabs, because as you mentioned, Jadepo's hopefully back from illness, and Armstrong came on, obviously, last week. So I think I would probably... I think I'd probably go for Armstrong because I just think he's mm. a little bit more into kind of the combative end of the game. Like he's he's not a defensive player by any means, but I just feel like given how we used him in those tough away games against Chelsea and Leicester, I feel like it's a kind of similar tough game that we might expect. Um, so I wonder if Armstrong will start out there. But I think, yeah, I think we're at a stage now where the team all being well. Mm. picks itself to a certain extent and that's the kind of one spot that I guess people are vying for yeah no, that's fair enough right let's uh, move on to some predictions then um, Steve's not here but I did manage to get a prediction from him so uh, quote that Burnley game will be horrendous we obviously won't be able to play our normal game against their spoiling tactics probably reliant on a set piece 1-0 win so he still ends in style there so Steve's gone <laughs> for a 1-0 win oh, let's go with Glenn Glenn what do you reckon uh, oh god 1-0 defeat Oh, did not see that coming, actually. Yeah, I hate Burnley, and as I said, I was getting that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if um, you hid it pretty well, I know. I think if your um, answer about you know who should play on the right wing, I think Marrow Atoje or Owen Farrell would be good. Good, good they might be knowledge. busy at the weekend. Yeah, yeah just yeah. just to, you know, so we can match their rugby tactics. But, I was going to uh, say, for those that are listening around the world that haven't got a clue what Glenn's talking about, he's talking about the England rugby team there. So, yeah, good knowledge, Glenn. Well done. That makes me sound pretty good, actually, because I was going to go for a 1-0 away win, but I thought, no, that would be so pessimistic and you guys would shoot me down that I changed it to a one all draw. So that absolutely makes me look quite positive now. Right, Lucy Hynett. I will go for... I mean, like the theme that we've currently got... There's not many goals around yet, is there? Yeah, not a lot of goals, I wouldn't think. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go with Steve. I'm going for a 1-0 home win. A 1-0 home win. A rare St Mary's clean sheet. I'm going to probably go with a Jack Stevens header to really shut me up before (laughs) I went on my rant.
Thanks for listening to TSP 102. We hope you've enjoyed it. Big thanks to Lucy, Glenn, Will, and of course, Shelley Proven. There won't be one next weekend, I'm afraid, as I'm away, but you'll be pleased to know it's got absolutely zero to do with Valentine's. So we'll be reporting for duty again after the Aston Villa game on the 22nd of February. Until then, have a good rest of your winter break. Let's hope Saints pick up some points against Burnley and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.